Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life? a Bravo podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, real lifers. Welcome to episode 113. Thanks to everyone who sent me well wishes the last few weeks while I was going through my... IVF egg freezing journey. Um, I had my retrieval on Thursday and I'm doing just fine, just pretty tired and know that I have to likely go through this again and again and again um, if I want to have some success. So I'm just trying to get used to it. (laughs) Um, One just funny thing I wanted to share with you guys, because I feel like I've shared so many serious things lately, is, and please tell me if this has happened to anyone else, either while pregnant or um, while injecting high levels of hormones. Um, My dog, and not just my dog, all the dogs in my building have been acting very unusual around me. And I know that, you know, when you go through this process, you have a really low level of estrogen and then it just shoots up to the levels of like second trimester pregnancy within, you know, less than a week. And when that, you know, shoot up kind of started happening and my level started rising, not only was my dog a bit more wary of people coming close to me, but when I went to the dog park, all of the other dogs like would stand around me and one kept on like going through my legs and just kind of like standing in between my legs, just making sure like no one came near me. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And now that it's all done, I was with my dog again at the dog park, and they all just ignored me like usual this time. So I don't know. Is there something? Can dogs smell the change in hormones? Very, very bizarre. Well, I am so excited about my guest, Amanda Page, from the It's All Happening podcast. She has been such a light for me these last few weeks, sharing some of her struggles, and she actually encouraged me to reach out to Sheena Shea because she read in a fertility blog or some sort of fertility magazine that Sheena Shea actually has a similar ovarian problem um, as as I do. And so um, I share a bit in this episode about how I reached out to Sheena. I've never reached out to any Bravo celebrity or celebrity or anything like that. But I told her what my medical situation was, my levels. I said, I heard you had something similar. Do you have any recommendations? And to my delight, she responded and was really, really helpful. And 
um, kind of gave me some sort of transformative advice that has very much impacted um, how I've been behaving and things I've been doing the last few weeks. So huge thank you to Sheena. Before we get into my chat with Amanda, just a reminder, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, I encourage you to do so. You can find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just hit subscribe. And if you like it, give it a five-star review, write a comment. Lately, the comments have been so nice. And I don't know if it's my um, insane estrogen levels or what, but I've been moved to tears by some of the kind comments you guys have made. And I really hope you enjoy the podcast. I like doing it. I do it for fun, um, you know, and I hope that it's fun for you guys. You can always find me on Instagram at ITRL underscore podcast and also on Twitter. And then my personal Twitter and personal Instagram are at Mandy Slutsker. Um, always love hearing from you guys. Hope you enjoy this week's podcast. I've got a lot of really exciting guests coming up. So lots to look forward to. Um, without any further ado, here is my chat with the lovely Amanda Page. Hi, everyone. I am here with Amanda Page from the It's All Happening podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. It's the Mandy and Amanda show. We have very <laughs> similar voices, similar laughs. Yeah, sorry. You're not going to know who's talking. It's okay. <laughs> it's like the first time I heard your podcast, I felt like I was listening to myself. I'm like really honored because I find your voice so soothing and just like when you're speaking, I, I, I just can't believe you think we sound alike because to me, you sound like perfect on, on no, audio. No, no. But whenever people say I'm soothing, it's like, do you listen to me before bed? Like, like <laughs> do I put you to sleep? <laughs> no, it's not that kind of soothing. Yeah. I just find that my voice is chaotic. I'm like all over the place and you just are like calm and controlled. But I think we probably just have that Maryland, D.C. accent. I'm yeah. sure that's what it is. I think is. I've taken over. I grew up in Minnesota and I don't think I really speak like it anymore. Yeah, I don't yeah. hear that. No. <laughs> Maybe when I'm home <laughs> or when I say I, pop. <laughs> or sorry. Can you say sorry? Sorry. Okay. Maybe not. I've heard it though. I've yeah. heard it before and I'm like, that that's not a Maryland sorry. Um, so one of the things that we have bonded over over the last uh, month or so has been IVF journeys and egg freezing and infertility. And you actually encouraged me to reach out to Sheena about my situation because Sheena um, had a similar ovarian reserve issue um, as I do. So I reached out to her um, and she was lovely and she's been guiding me along this journey that I've been on um, and checking in. How are the shots? Like it's it's so nice. I don't know her at all. And um, yeah, I don't know. Do you know that she's done this for other people or... I just always hear her talking about how open she is about her own journey. And to me, whenever I've reached out to her with any questions, she's always been so responsive. And I just feel like she's one of those people who really cares a lot about her quote unquote fans and actually can develop a relationship with her fans and doesn't just look at them as 
people who are following her around. Like, I think she's just actually a really good, kind person. And so if she can be of help to other people going through her same journey, she would totally do that for people. And just seeing how happy that she is for Brittany and Jax, which like however you feel about Brittany and Jax is one thing, but she's been so kind to them and not, I think it can be really easy to be envious of your friends who are able to get pregnant so easily. And to me, that just shows that she'll be there for for people, no matter which stage of their fertility journey they're on, you know, she's, she's going to be happy for people in the end who are able to get pregnant. So she just seems like such a good person, a good person to talk to about this. Yeah. I mean, she's given me advice about which, um, you know, vitamins to take, what kind of prenatal other things. Um, she said, just run it by your doctor. I ran it by my doctor. They okayed a lot of it. So yeah, I mean, Now, there was a situation this past week that came out about how Sheena is no longer friends with Stassi and Lala. And this goes back to, so I have a theory about, separate from fertility and all of that stuff, of how Sheena, it goes back to what you were saying, how she's open with her fans and how she views her relationship with people who watch the show very differently than Stassi. And I think Katie is one of the ones who's the most closed off. Um, And I'm a fan of Katie. I'm a Katie apologist. Um, But I think (laughs) Katie's idea is like, she's been through rough times before and she likes to hunker down and close in and only trusts a few people, but she trusts those people implicitly. And she doesn't, she's kind of not sure about new people who enter a group, which is why she was pretty rude to Lala and all of that. Now I think Lala and Stassi also have this idea that like, these are our people where this is the like circle of trust don't break it. Don't bring new people in. Don't bring new people around me. I don't know who I could trust. I don't know who's going to share stories about me. And then Sheena meets people all the time and becomes friends with them and has a very like more open view of everything. And those two things kind of don't mesh. And so it's not surprising to me that Stasi got upset with Sheena for sharing text messages with her fans that Stasi said, regardless of if they were positive, because I think Stasi, especially while pregnant, is very much, um, you know, focused on her privacy. I can see that. And I can see how Stasi might be nervous that anything that she says right now could be twisted another way. Yeah. I just, I personally feel like Stasi, not that she doesn't have a right to be angry with Sheena for sharing that, but. I feel like she was using it as an excuse because the, the interview that Sheena did on the podcast um, that uh, she did no recently. Or yeah. Something. No filter. Mm-hmm. So she basically said that in the text message that Stassi sent her, she said, and I'm not interested in talking about it. I want our relationship to be surface level and basically just like wiped her hands clean after she confronted her about it. And to me that, that sounds like someone who isn't interested in hearing an explanation. She doesn't even want to hear Sheena explain any of it. Maybe it's not even true. I mean, she's believing maybe a fan over even hearing anything from Sheena. And to me, it just seemed like someone who 
is not interested in having a friendship and is using this as like the last straw kind of a thing to say, and now we're not going to be friends anymore. Yeah. I don't know how they could ever be friends, though, with having those different views on fame. Yeah. You know, like it's just... I don't know that one of them is right or wrong. It's just they're just not compatible views. I think what Sheena was trying to do, and I don't know that this was right or wrong, but a lot of people were just talking so much crap about Stassi at that time because she had just been fired. Mm -hmm. And I think that Sheena was trying, whether it was right or wrong, to put out anything positive about Stassi to to be kind of like supportive of her and say, I know everyone's saying all this stuff about Stassi right now, but she's been one of the only people who's been really supportive of me during this difficult time because she had she had done an interview and there was an article in Us Weekly where she said Stassi has been incredibly supportive of me. She's been checking in on me. And it was around that time that there were tons of articles negative about Stassi. So I feel like Sheena was trying to be kind and to kind of be there and think, well, I'll be here for her, how she's when she's in this tough spot and thought that Stassi would be grateful for it, but I don't think she's grateful for it at all. <laughs> I know. They just, <laughs> there's always been this thing with the OGs minus Sheena and Tom Sandoval and maybe Tom Schwartz, where it's like, we're the originals. We don't let new people in. We don't trust, we can only trust each other. Like that kind of a mentality, which makes it hard for new people to come on the show. Um, the only person they accepted was Brittany. And everyone else had to, like, claw their way back into the group. And, like, Lala, James Kennedy, all of it. And so I just think that, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with the show, but I very much appreciate Sheena being open with her fans, especially around fertility stuff. It's greatly helped me. Um, You've helped me, (laughs) Sharon. Anything I can do. I definitely think... I wish that Bravo would have shown more about Sheena's journey and they really played it off. Like it was just like, Oh yeah, well I'm getting older. I'm going to freeze my eggs. When really there was so much more to her decision. She, she likely wouldn't have done that if she didn't know that she was at risk for, you know, going into um, I guess diminished ovarian reserve, which I, I feel like it's important to hear that there are things you can do whether you're trying to get pregnant or not to find out where you stand. And yep. it would have been nice to see more about her decision to freeze her eggs and what went into it. Because I think there are a lot of people that are in their late twenties, even who would benefit from knowing kind of where they where they stand with their body. Cause on the surface, everything seems fine and dandy until you're in the situation where you can't get pregnant. Yep. You had no idea anything was wrong. I know. It's just, I told Sheena this, actually. I was like, I was so shocked that after having gone through it myself, that they didn't show your situation. First of all, giving yourself shots in the middle of filming, I can't even imagine, like, pumping yourself with all of those hormones. And then she had a real medical reason why she was freezing and they completely lost over it. And that's why I never reached out to her. You're the one that told me that she had this medical reason, which is similar to my situation. And I don't know many people who have my situation. I don't know anyone other than Sheena at this point who's been officially diagnosed with like diminishing ovarian reserve. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known if she didn't have an article in a fer- like a fertility blog or fertility magazine. It had nothing to do with Vanderpump rules. It was not 
on E! News. It wasn't on Bravo's website. It was all because I follow fertility Instagram accounts. They're the ones who were posting these interviews with Sheena. And I was like, wow. And at the time that I discovered all of this, I wasn't necessarily deep into like the Sheena fan you know, like I wasn't a huge fan of any one person on Vanderpump Rules. I was more of like a casual viewer when she was going through her first round of egg egg freezing. And it was just interesting to see that side of her. And it made me want to look deeper at the cast because it showed me that we don't get to see everything on the show. And there's yeah. a way more going on. Like, I don't need to see Britney's doctor's appointment about her ulcer she's not doing anything about on the secrets <laughs> reveal like why can't we actually just see something at, that someone's gonna follow through with right i would have loved to see one of sheena's doctor's appointments yeah you know yeah okay well what else is going on in the bravo <laughs> universe we've got portia and dennis are officially not together which we found out in the last week i yeah. kind of suspected that yeah. picture of them, did you see the picture of them photographed together at Cynthia and Mike's wedding? They were standing so awkwardly. <laughs> and, and someone was like, oh, they went together. I'm like, no, no they did they not. They did not. <laughs> no. That wedding, by the way, I'm just waiting for the fallout. Someone's going to get sick. 250 people. <laughs> no one was saying anything. And I was like, am I losing my mind? No, because- I... Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty vocal on Twitter. I was everyone, like, everyone was like posting like, we're so happy for Cynthia and Mike. And I'm like, I am too. I love them. But I just feel like a 250 person indoor wedding, unless you have mandatory check uh, tests done, rapid tests to get in, which I would have like, that would have been a great idea. I don't know why. Pe- I'm Maybe it's just access it's expensive. to them. But- you would have to get, I mean... <laughs> If Cynthia and Mike had hired the NBA to create a bubble for their wedding, that's like the only way I would have thought that it would have been okay. But that's like a foolproof method. Like the NBA has shown that it works. Like, why can't they do that? If they're going to have their wedding, I mean, I don't know how much money it would cost, but probably way too much. But I just, I wish that they would have had it outside. I know they couldn't have because of the weather, but... I don't know. Something just tells me that if it were another housewife that we didn't love so much doing it, we would have been hating on her. And I just, I know that they took precautions. They did the temperature checks, which we know. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. And they said masks are required. Well, you're at a wedding and you're drinking the whole time. You take your mask off every time you take a sip. So how does that help? Like, God bless Karen Huger, who's by far my favorite housewife. But her wearing that face shield with no mask, I was like, you're breathing the same air as everyone else. Can we create a bubble around you? Can I get you like a biosafety level four suit? Like, let's protect Karen Huger at all costs. People, yes. And people don't, because people... I got into a couple of little tips in the comments section on posts where people are like, everyone's wearing face shields. I'm like... Face shields are supposed to go over your mask. Therefore, like doctors to be able to have an extra layer of protection. It's not in replacement of a mask. And although they look great (laughs) with the like beaded names across the top, it's not, it's not a solution. Maybe if you were outside, if you were outside and you were trying to like add a little bit of extra and you didn't require masks because you were outside, but indoors, 250 people, the dancing. Uh, Some people were never photographed in a mask. 
Yeah. I never saw Ava. No, not once. She was not in a mask one time. I hope she was tested before and she knew she was okay. But that doesn't mean she's not going to catch it from somebody That's while the she's whole there. Point. It's oh, it was just very and to see and then here Kelly Dodd had a small wedding. You know? <laughs> like wait, Kelly like did only better with you people. <laughs> I mean, she still no matter what, at least Cynthia wasn't denying the existence and the you know, the she did a whole interview about the precautions they were taking, at least acknowledging it and expecting that your guests are going to try is better than Kelly, like walking around acting like masks don't work or masks are stupid. But at the same time, I just feel like Cynthia, that was so irresponsible. And I'm so happy for her. They're so happy together. She deserves it, but it was just not now, the right decision. I don't mean to be shady, but if this is your third serious relationship, <laughs> you're second marriage do you need 250 people at your wedding i don't know wait is is this her this is her third marriage though isn't it i don't know if she ever was officially married to leon okay maybe i don't know if they ever but you know this is her second tv wedding (laughs) on the same show (laughs) on the same show like i don't know that you need 250 people for this I mean, you definitely don't need it, but if there weren't a pandemic, I'd be like, whatever. It's over the top. You have the money. Her dress, she looked beautiful. They're so happy. I'm happy for her. And it was like, it looked like such a fun event. So many people, like my, my favorite people from Southern Charm, New Orleans were there. Tamika was there. I was like, look at Tamika. She's at Cynthia's wedding. Like, I'm also like, why are you having people fly in? (laughs) I know. Oh my God. Oh, it was just giving me like me and my public health, you know, background was just getting very anxious about all of it. Yeah. I just, I didn't feel great about it, but I also don't want to, I don't know. I wish them the best. I hope nothing bad happens and I hope no one else does what they did. Yeah, please do not have Don't a wedding right now, guys. A 250. <laughs> well, and and the thing is that I know someone who just caught COVID at a small outdoor wedding. So it's like, that's a small outdoor wedding. Yep. So here we go. And then in other um, Housewives news, some amazing person on Reddit found, um, I think it was in season one, that Michael Darby was caught grabbing a producer's butt in the background of footage it happened so fast that i guess we all missed it the original time it aired but i was getting myself confused because i'm like wait didn't this happen already but this is now the third thing that we've seen because last season we heard about it we didn't have any footage with the cameraman at the the rainbow baby shower correct yes And then what I was getting confused about was when he grabbed Katie's husband's butt, Andrew, Mm -hmm. and that happened. I don't know which season it was. So then I was getting confused, but now this is the third incident and it, and it's just, it's so disappointing that this keeps happening and Bravo's not saying like, you cannot be here anymore. You're now a liability. Well, he also, didn't he admit to it? Like, he was like, it's like a joke. It's not like I grabbed it sexually. It's like a thing we do in Australia or something. Like, wasn't that his whole argument? Was that like guys slap each other's butts and then like run away? Yeah, it's like a. he was like acting like it's totally normal in Australia. Like, we need to ask Brock, Sheena's boyfriend Brock, <laughs> if this is a normal thing that happens in Australia. Because I just, 
It's not. I, I kind of feel like it's not. It's not. I've asked Christy Moore, and she was like, "We don't claim him." <laughs> Christy Moore, who who lives in Sydney, um, was like, "We do not claim Michael Darby. Like he is not one of us." <laughs> It's one thing if it's like your best friend and that's like something that you guys do like yeah you know like I have a I have a friend who has like a really big butt and I like to grab her butt it happens all the time but we are best friends and we know that it's okay we've given the consent it's a joke that you have between each other right we have a joke and like but the this seems like he's walking by someone who doesn't even know that they are near him and they're so shocked and I talked about this last night with Chelsea on Ono Bravo Live, I feel like a lot of times men don't like to speak up when they feel like they're being victimized because they're they're just kind of taught by society that like you can't be a victim of sexual harassment or sexual assault as a man from from women, you know, especially. But it's almost like they get embarrassed, like they feel some sort of like shame or embarrassment to say that they were sexually harassed by another man. But it's like it's not your fault at all that someone is doing something without your consent that's not doesn't mean anything about you as a person oh michael darby oh michael darby (laughs) and like ashley needs to get out and run but the longer she stays with him the less respect i have for her honestly i think she gets something out of this relationship i don't know what it is but she's in it for a reason she definitely is i hope it's money but even so she's enabling him and it's just so disappointing come on ashley Stop enabling him. I I just wonder if like season six is going to be her saying my husband's a monster and I have to leave him. You know, what's going to happen next? I do not see her leaving him. Oh, now should we get into this week's Potomac, which I thought was one of the best episodes I've ever seen. I loved every second of this episode. I've watched it three times. It was just so joyous so good <laughs> so joyous so good you don't think that the kind of so this is now the second episode since the fight mm-hmm. so you kind of feel like after a big climax things are going to settle down and it's like the aftermath and then more aftermath but it's still interesting like there's still so much going on that's what i like i knew that last week it had to only be about the fight mm-hmm. but i'm mm-hmm. glad now there's more content happening Because that's what I want. I want to see what's going on with these ladies. Yes. So we see Miss Karen Huger take Ashley and Giselle to Surrey, Virginia for, I think she said it was her high school homecoming parade. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it was so fantastic to learn that her family, the Woodens, you know, used to farm that work on this farm as slaves. And it was, she said it was like her grandfather's grandfather was able to purchased the land that he used to be a slave on and they kept it in their family and they're farmers now it's amazing it's really inspirational for people to hear that but it also puts it in perspective that it wasn't that long ago that karen's family members were slaves and i think uh, as americans a lot of people forget that especially in like the white, white Americans forget that because we don't personally know anyone who was a slave, but well, look at Karen's family. I mean, it's just, yeah, we all need that reminder, but it was cool to see her go back to her roots and meet some of her family members because she doesn't really talk about her, 
her family that much. I wonder if producers during the beginning of the season were like, we need to see more from you, Karen. We can't just do this fragrance line. We can't just do this whole La Dame. Like, where did you grow up? Let's let's go there. Let's let's see more of your relationship. So we meet yeah. we meet her aunts and cousins. We've got Aunt Valerie and Aunt Colleen, and we find out Karen was a diva from a very young age. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> I'm always reminded about the time she was interviewed, and I can't remember if it was the Daily Beast or Variety magazine um, about becoming a housewife and like how did you you know, become a real housewife on the Housewives of Potomac. And she said, oh, darling, I always knew they'd find me. <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> this is why she's in my top five housewives. I, I, she'll, I just her. can't imagine ever kicking her out. She is, she's incredible. And she's a good person. Like she's yeah. not just good for TV. She's also a good person. And that makes it amazing because sometimes the people that we have as our favorite housewives, we have to defend them when we know we shouldn't be because they're horrible people. <laughs> yes. So it's nice that she's not a horrible person. <laughs> I like her. And I, you know, she's got her faults. I don't like how she's mean to Dr. Wendy. Cause I, oh, mean, yeah. I like Dr. Wendy a lot. So, but, but it's kind of silly. She's not being like overly cruel. She, she's just got an ego. Yeah. yeah. She's a little standoffish to Wendy, but she's not like going after her at every turn. So it's okay. I adore Wendy. I just really relate to her as the daughter of an immigrant where, you know, your parents have certain expectations of you and the sacrifices that they made to come to this country to give you a better life. Education is everything, you know. And so when she's talking to her sister, um, who's a surgeon, about maybe not being a professor anymore, it's clear that now that she's a housewife, that also, like, you can't break the fourth wall, but like, that's a job that takes a lot of time. So it's hard to be a professor, do political commentary, and be a full time housewife, you know? Yeah. And I was actually really surprised the more that we got to know her and hear her talk about her family, I was really surprised that really early on, her mom was filming with her on the show. Because I would just think, based on her description, that her parents might not be super supportive of her doing this TV show. Cause it's not, I mean, it's not brain surgery. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's not. And it's more of being a public figure. And it's not because of her political commentary. It's her, you know, having dinner with people and the housewives. And, and we all know that it's more nuanced than that. But I think a lot of people just see it as like trash TV. It's not, but a lot of people think of it like that. So I'm, I'm happy that her mom is supporting her on this journey. And hopefully they can kind of move past that, those expectations of her. And it's like, she's a mom. She's got kids. Of three kids, three. One of them was just born and was in the NICU. Right. The stress of that. I can't even imagine. I know. But I'm sure. So a lot. I don't know if you've seen, but a lot of stuff has been coming out. Well, you're active on Twitter, so you probably did see a lot of stuff has been coming out about Wendy and some debt that she's in. But I looked into it and it's all school debt. They're like in over a million dollars of school debt. Well, duh, because like they both went to law school. She has four degrees. Law school itself. Isn't it like. A minimum of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt, right? Right. I mean, for her, I, I, 
for her husband, right? Because it's it's not just her debt; it's her and her husband's debt her together. Her and her husband's debt. Yes. I mean, and, and if you go to school, if you go to undergrad, and then you go to grad school, and you just like keep going to school, it just builds and builds and builds. And it's a real problem in this country how much student loan debt people have. But I would just, I wouldn't be surprised if after spending all that money on going to school, her changing her career would feel like a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of pressure. But I don't think you get paid that much for being a professor. She's making more, she's making her coins doing this show and being a commentator. That's true. And I've also heard, which is really unfortunate that she, and I don't know if this is true. This is just something I read on Twitter. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly that she's like the lowest paid professor at Johns Hopkins University, which if that is true, it's like no one should be the lowest paid. Like there should be not one person who's lower paid. There should be like a starting salary that is baseline and then people can work their way up. But just the fact that she would be the lowest paid, hopefully it's not just her and it's just like a normal thing. But yeah, I don't know. I I think Wendy though. I like her too. I do like her. I think she's a good addition. She seemed to be, you know, getting into the mix pretty easily. I think she had really good points on last week's episode about the, about the fight. And people seem to be listening to her and not, you know, shunning her as a like the new girl who doesn't know anything. So I'm excited to see more of her. It's interesting. The last um, episode, I was talking a lot about like respectability politics mm-hmm. and the um, I think they put too much emphasis on Monique having to represent all black women. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to hear from Wendy as a Nigerian immigrant I don't know. It's just interesting to see her perspectives on Black America um, from her role as an immigrant. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think there's a lot going on there. I think it is different for her than it is for someone who is not an immigrant. And I also think her perspective, because she's so present on TV, not for Housewives, and is in that, like, political sphere I just feel like she has a different perspective, but I do think it is important to not place that sort of blame on Monique. Like she's not solely responsible for the way that these horrible white supremacists view black Americans. Like that's not her responsibility and it shouldn't fall on her hands. But I do understand why Wendy is maybe like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. It's also her. Yeah, it's her first season, too. Um, So going back to Surrey, Virginia. <laughs> I By love way, this trip. I looked this up um, on MapQuest or not MapQuest. Oh, my God. I'm like dating myself. <laughs> like, I was like eight years old when there was a MapQuest um, on Google Maps. And it's like two hours south of D.C., but very close to like Newport um, and Virginia Beach. Oh, okay. So it's more like coastal. It's more coastal. Okay. It's like off the Chesapeake. So the way they made it look was like it was like in deep into Virginia. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So yes. Giselle is so funny when they're in the car. So Ashley leaves baby Dean, which made me really happy because she deserves a night away and Michael mm-hmm. can handle it. He should. He should. And when they're in the car and Giselle said, are we going to go see the Taco Bell you worked at? (laughs) I nearly like I nearly lost it. There is something to be said of the frenemy situation between Giselle 
and Karen that has been going on for five seasons and is still a great dynamic. I know and it never explodes. Like it always gets to that point, but it never, it never, I guess, implodes. There's still always going to be frenemies. It feels like I just love their relationship. I love it. And I love how they just call each other out all over social media and it's like, but they're still going to like get together next season. Like here we are. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Um, so we get to see the wooden farms and we meet Karen's family and they tour, tour the farm and harvest corn and everything. And then Monique calls Ashley and we, I, I'm assuming this is a lot longer of a phone call than what they showed, but what they kind of zoomed in on was she said, Monique said um, that she was drained and Karen said, well, I never thought my two friends would be at such opposite ends. And Monique's response was, at the end of the day, the thing about Candace is, if it wasn't me, it would have been somebody else. And that obviously doesn't sit well with Karen or Giselle. I think Ashley is being apologetic for, she's kind of, she's on Team Monique 100%. And this just no matter what we saw at the end of this episode with her feeling remorse and regret, she keeps telling herself a narrative of Candace was asking for it. Candace got what she deserved. Yeah. I think it's really hard because although Monique is a grown woman and she's responsible for herself, I do think that the way that she's talking reminds me a lot of students that I've had their parents who tell them if someone's bothering you do whatever you need to do to make them stop and they like get that permission from their parents so when we as a teacher say you never put your hands on someone they're like well that's not what my mom told me that's not what my dad said and and I've definitely heard people say like that kind of same thing where if my kid didn't hit them, they were going to get hit anyway. Like they can't keep acting like this in class and expect other kids to not beat them up one day. I've heard that. I've heard people say that about a child. And I know Monique is a grown, a grown woman, but it makes me think that she, that this was maybe just like a learned kind of understanding. And it's really hard to break that. It's really hard to break that once someone thinks this is allowed i don't i don't know where she goes from here that's the hardest part is that she puts um the same kind of onus on like words and physical violence if someone comes and attacks you with their words you can attack back with violence and i don't know if if that's how she feels I don't know. Obviously, she wouldn't feel remorseful because she thinks that she reacted in an appropriate way. But it's really tough. It's hard. And I feel I really feel strongly that and I could be wrong, but because I can't make assumptions. But I kind of feel like if the if the other women were in any way saying Candace was wrong about anything it might soften Monique a little bit but I feel like she's just so defensive because she feels like there were two people in an argument 
And she didn't just reach across the table and start pulling Karen's hair because Karen was like calmly telling her something. Like she really feels like she was brought to this point. Whether she was right or wrong, I feel like she just, she feels like alone. Yeah. She which feels is, really alone. Which is why Ashley has kind of been standing there with her. Yeah. But it's, I, I also, um, the thing that I, I said last week is that it's unfair to expect us as the audience to follow along with a side plot that's not on camera. Mm-hmm. And she wants us to believe that the reason she was upset with Candace had to do with these rumors of her and the trainer and the paternity of Chase. But none of that is on camera. And so we can't go with that. I can't believe it. And... um or I believe it, but it, it doesn't all kind of make sense to me, especially, and I, I know we're kind of jumping around a bit, but at the end of the episode, when they meet with the pastor and the first lady, Chris Samuels, you know, seems very upset, um, basically says, we have one problem, and that's between you and Candace. And I bet Chris Bassett is like, wow, I thought we were buds, and you haven't mm-hmm. reached out to me. If... Chris and Candace were both involved. Like if if Candace was involved in sharing rumors that Chris Samuels was not Chase's father, do you think Chris Samuels would have said that? I don't think Candace is as involved as Monique is kind of putting on her. Yes. Exactly. I can I can see if she said if she came out and said Candace didn't do anything with the rumors, but she was being really buddy buddy with someone who was, and that wasn't cool with me, then that makes a little bit more sense, but not enough to explode. I think what's more likely is that she never really got over what happened last season between her and Candace. And Mm -hmm. they kind of like washed their hands of it at the reunion, but she still had a chip on her shoulder about it. So in when Giselle told her, your friend Candace is getting all buddy buddy with Sharice. No, that was it, Ashley. Ashley told Giselle. Oh. And Giselle told Monique, which is like weird Got because it. Okay. Monique's now listening to Giselle, who she's not even really good friends who with. Who was involved in the rumors to begin with. None of it makes sense. None I of think, it makes sense. I think Monique is upset at defending herself to these women, Mm -hmm. especially Giselle, Mm -hmm. and she couldn't attack Giselle. And so she attacked the kind of weakest link, the smallest person with the least following, with the least support of viewers, Mm -hmm. who we all think is annoying. (laughs) And I think her and Candace really did have almost like a sisterly type relationship. And I think a lot of people on the show and probably viewers look at Candace like the annoying little sister and you're more likely to go pull your annoying little sister's hair than you are of your coworker who you are probably scared is going to beat your ass. I mean, sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but it's like, I just, I just feel like it was a lot more than just the rumors. It was what happened last season. They got into that huge fight on the farm before and I also think that she's dealing with a lot in her personal life and she just let it explode. And that's what's so interesting. So when the pastor comes over, first of all, I don't want to judge someone for talking to their religious leader, mm-hmm. but I would hope that the religious leader would also recommend someone who is um, certified as a therapist to be able to deal with Monique and her anger management. 
you know, I, I think both are really important. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, a pastor is not the same thing as someone who is trained in behavioral therapy. Yeah. So um, the pastor wants to know what led to the explosion. And he tells Monique that she has to be honest with what's happening in her heart and says a bunch of things that I was wondering if we could learn more about. Because she was saying that Monique always tries to control and dominate She's trying to protect everything because she had to as a child up until young adulthood. Mentions that she was bullied a lot in school growing up and that when she met Chris, she had to continue to prove herself over and over again. And I'm thinking, why? Why did you have to prove yourself to Chris over and over again? I don't know if it's prove herself to Chris or prove herself to Chris's family like she was deserving of him. Yeah. And... And maybe her, I don't know a lot about her childhood. Like, I don't know a lot about her background, but if she maybe, because I, you know, he's really successful and I don't know if people assume that she was with him for the wrong reasons, but they met, but I mean, I guess when he was successful, but, and then the pastor said, you've been in survival mode since you were a kid. And it's like, I want to know more about that because my first instinct when I saw her be so violent and not be remorseful was that she had been around violence as a child. She had experienced it, not necessarily at home. It could be at school, you know, that she was so easy for her to just be violent and to shrug it off, you know? I also think, too, that her shrugging it off was a defense mechanism because she doesn't want to deal with the fact that she's not okay. Yeah. So she's like, I mean, if it wasn't me, it was going to be somebody else. It could have been any of us. And she's trying (laughs) to convince herself. She's trying to convince herself that Dr. Wendy is going to go pulling people's hair in the middle of a winery. That's not going to happen. Dr. Well, I don't know. We don't know Dr. Wendy very well yet, but something tells me that's not going to happen with Dr. Wendy, but she's trying to convince herself that, Anyone would do what she did. And then you see her when she's talking to her pastor, kind of it starts to click and he breaks her down a little bit, which I was happy to see that. I do think there's something to be said about talking to someone you trust. Maybe that's her first step. And maybe he does have some training. Like there could be, you know, there could be some training that he has gone through to be that kind of a, a role for his community. I hope this isn't it, though. I hope she continues to seek help. When she says that she's tired of being criticized and having to prove herself when she knows her self-worth, I'm, I guess I'm confused. I'm like, who's criticizing you? Is it among these women? Is it other people? I mean, the fans of Bravo have liked, liked her a lot. You know, she gets a lot of love. So she it's does. confusing to me where what criticism she is either real or imagined. I wonder if it really does all stem from Chris's mom. Like there's still so much about that relationship. And, and I do think, I do think that she thought the other women were going to be on her side over Candace's in this. And they just haven't been. And it made her snap. I, I just, I feel like, I feel like she has a lot of work to do, but I also feel like the women being really hard on her about the fight and not, I don't know. I just I just feel like Giselle has made things really hard because since she had such like a wall up and was not willing to listen to Monique at all, it made Monique in that initial sit down 
just be more defensive. Yeah. And I wish that she hadn't have been there. And Giselle has every right to feel the way she wants to feel, but I feel like if she didn't want to listen to Monique, she shouldn't have went. Cause I feel like that conversation would have gone differently. Do you think it would have been different had Monique not been on social media at all for the week after the fight? I do think so, but I also feel like they shouldn't have necessarily taken the tweets that she put out the days after the fight where she was still angry and still like in that adrenaline mode to mean that she wasn't ever going to feel sorry for what she did. I just feel like they expected her the minute she went home to be like, what have I done? I did this to my friend. I'm so sorry. Most people don't feel immediately remorseful for something until they really do some like I feel like she thought it was the right thing to do at the time so she wasn't going to think that she was wrong the next day until she really thought about it and and really had some tough conversations with herself and with other people her tweets were not okay but I just feel like she was still in that same mindset that like fight or flight mindset and she's Mm -hmm. defending herself on Twitter probably not the best move but I just don't think that Robin was right to say that she was never going to feel sorry for what she did because two days later she's like tweeting stuff, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, I, it's hard. Like we all put ourselves in like how, how we think we would handle it. Mm-hmm. And I know myself and I, I feel a lot of guilt. And um, if I ever do anything that hurts someone, Like I kind of immediately I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, I can't believe I said that or I can't believe I did that. Like that's sort of my M.O. It's sort of what I go back to. Um, So to know that she hurt someone and to not immediately say, like, I'm sorry, let's talk about this later Mm -hmm. um, was hard, I think, for a lot of people to swallow. But then the fact that she did tell her story to people who then did share it in the press it kind of it 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 made it so that Candace was being attacked on social media, and I think that was a lot harder for all the women to swallow. Like, not only was she physically attacked, but then I mean, you know, you and I live in the D.C. Baltimore area. If you were on Twitter at that time, like things were trending, it was all over the place. People were all talking about Monique beating Candace and how it was Candace's fault. So it's almost like she was victimized again. Yeah. You know? And I also think I've heard that Robin was really upset about some other things that happened later in the season, which I won't spoil here, but she was upset that that was spoiled on social media instead of coming out on the show. And I kind of wonder if some of their disappointment is just this, like using the blogs or using social media to spoil things. And they wanted it to come out on the show. And also to give the slant that you want it to. Yeah. So that then people, people are going to watch the watch show it to Yes. They watch it expecting it to go a certain way. Yeah. But I think from this episode, I was most, ups- most disappointed with Robin going to Candace and immediately saying that Karen never held Monique responsible for anything because that's not true. She told Monique she was wrong. She just said, I'm going to be your friend anyway, but you need to fix this and you need to do, you need to really work on yourself because what you did was wrong. And I feel like Robin just saying to Candace, like, 
Karen said Monique never did anything wrong. Like, that's just not true. That's not true. Yeah, that was interesting. So let's let's get to this. So okay. Robin comes over to Candace's, um, says Monique wasn't remorseful. Candace cries. Um, and then is it comes out that Karen told Candace that if she was attacked and felt the same way that Candace is feeling, that she would press charges. Which kind of like puts a you know a little bird in Candace's ear. We don't know if she was actually thinking of pressing charges until Karen, her kind of pseudo mom, said it, mm-hmm. and then her actual mom told her. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a yeah, I, I'd be curious how the conversation went. Like, was it Candace saying, "What would you do if you were me?" And Karen says, "Well, if I were you, I'd call the cops." Like, is that how it went, or did Candace say? do you think I should press charges? And then Karen said, yes. I wonder if we'll find out more. I would love to know more. Because I think this is going to be a big topic moving forward. It kind of doesn't allow anyone to move on when you press official charges. And then I think they both got charged. Yes, because then Monique, I don't know who did. Yeah, they both did. I don't know how Monique's going to feel about Karen saying that. We will find out. (laughs) And then um, the bomb drops that Robin forgot to report some income on her taxes and owes the IRS $90,000. Do you know how much income you've had to forget to owe the IRS $90,000? Do you know? Do you know how much? Well, I mean, okay, let's say you pay like, I don't know, 30-something percent in taxes, Mm -hmm. 33%. So that means that it would be... Oh, I can do this. I can totally do this. Okay, guys, I teach math. I teach math. Like 290? Equals, um, yeah, I got to do this. I got Okay, I'm going to do it right now. 90,000 divided by 33%. $272,000. Like, that's a about. lot of money to forget. Yeah. <laughs> 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 $272,000 just hanging around. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to report that. Oh, <laughs> I need to know if it was from one year or if it was from multiple years. It was years. probably multiple years Um, just because <laughs> usually like the IRS finds like things like, I don't know. That would be this my has guess. happened. This has happened to me before Um, at a, in a much smaller scale. I had done some like freelance something i think i like referred someone who bought something and i made a little bit of money barely anything but i had moved so i never got the like tax thing in the mail oh, and the i had 1099 form. the 1099 form mm-hmm. and it wasn't my job so i like had right. no idea but they immediately told me like after i got my tax return then they sent me something that was like you actually owe this and there was a fine so like i do not envy robin right now for being in the situation because they charge you interest on the money you didn't yep. pay them because mm-hmm. you're late they're like we should have had that money <laughs> That was my bad. So like, I get it, Robin, but like, that's a lot of money. I'm talking like, I think I owed like $300. It's a completely different situation. And then she's like, well, they put a lien on me, so I can't buy a house. And I'm like, Robin, get it together. I'm going to need her and Juan to like get married so he can be in charge because, well, I don't know if he's any better, but like, she really cannot be in charge of her. T- or just hire an accountant. Just dude. get an accountant. It's like not that hard. Has she been using TurboTax? I mean, I don't even think she was using TurboTax because they ask you. They're <laughs> they like, ask you. <laughs> they go through your bank account and they see 
<laughs> like what? <laughs> I could do a TurboTax. Oh, if you can get TurboTax to pay you for this advertise, TurboTax makes it really easy. Like if you, if, if Robin is listening next time, just do TurboTax. And a lot of times you can get like discount codes and things like that. But I also think <laughs> once you have like lots of different streams of income, like if it's not just like one job or two jobs and you have lots of streams, it's just easier to have an accountant, I would assume, because they yeah. can keep track of all the different types of income you're getting and you may not pay taxes on that kind of income. You know, it's not taken out in advance. Whereas like my paycheck, they take out money for social security, they take out taxes. And then at the end of the year, we see, okay, does the IRS owe me money or do I owe the IRS money? But like if you're making money off of something that's like a contract, you just get paid for that. And you're supposed to save knowing that later on you're going to owe the IRS money on that earned income. Exactly. And she's clearly not, she's not, she's probably only ever had jobs that just the taxes came out of her paycheck. She filed her, you know, W-4 at the end of the year and it was like easy peasy lemon squeezy. She's probably never had the situation happen to her before. Hopefully she learns her lesson. <laughs> it was wild to see. She is so chill that she's like, yeah, I'm going to I look 90,000. Eh. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I would not be able to sleep for weeks. I would be so upset. She's like laughing about it. And, and then Candace talking in her confessional like, oh, you gave you gave Karen all that strife about her tax situation. She's like, how could you not know that you owed this money? And here she is. It's like karma, karma. She oh always comes God. calling. And then her and Juan have a date night. And we see she puts on a dark wig. And she dresses as Tatiana from <laughs> Latvia, <laughs> who's meeting Juan at a random bar outside Baltimore, Maryland. Yes. Oh, and my friend sent me the info about the bar. It's in Ellicott City, which is like a really cool spot. And I, I'm totally going to go there one day. I'm like, it's not that far from me. I would love to like check it out. I just want to go on like a Potomac tour. I want to see all the places yes. I go to. I want to go to that one in Poolsville. Yeah, that would be like a fun where, meetup. Where the, the <laughs> altercation. Let's go. We're going to do that and take photos there. Oh, it would be, <sighs> that would be amazing. But I liked I liked her as Tatiana, but you could tell that she like wasn't totally comfortable being in character. It was like a very strange, <laughs> strange interaction. Oh, my God. Um, then we get to see Karen doing the homecoming parade, which was just like so funny that she's so into it because it's such a small parade. There's like it starts with like this police cruiser with its sirens on and they're throwing candy at everyone. <laughs> There's like three people like, oh, candy. And two of them are Giselle and Ashley. <laughs> I just, you cannot beat her being like, hey, everybody, like, look at me. I'm in the parade. It's like me when I post my podcast and I'm like, hey, to all the people who listen. And there's like a couple people like ready to push play. I'm like, thanks, everyone. I love that like photo of her just like waving at everyone in her periwinkle suit. And she's like, Surrey County, Virginia is in the house. How can you not love that? I just, oh. Oh, I, I, I made this meme because I just like love the picture of her. And I was like, um, I'm always, uh, 
I was just looking at it and laughing, and it reminded me of how I imagine Ryan Bailey is going to be, like, going to Dorit's room at Bugo de Beppo with everyone behind him in the parade, like, <laughs> leading the parade, and everyone's like, oh, yes, throwing meatballs at him or something. <laughs> meatballs, so funny. And then when Giselle was like, you know, these people are looking at her, and she got out of this small town, and she married well, and she started her own perfume line, and she is, in their mind, Beyonce. Yeah, I mean, I mean in my I mind, Karen Huger is Beyonce. Yeah, <laughs> like on that level. No, but I think if I, if I, if there was someone on Housewives that was from my hometown. My, and I don't even come from a small town, but I feel like they would be the talk of the town. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it you like made it. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so it was just like the best. I, I think I've watched it like 10 times that parade. <laughs> and she was just her her like she was so pure. She just really loved it. You can tell that she was just she got so much joy from it. And it made me sad that Ray doesn't seem to care enough to come to those things with her and be there because I'm sure she would have rather him joined her, you know? But do you think that she was just trying to do something for filming? So it was with, Maybe. like, I feel like it would have thrown off the dynamic to have her, Ray, and then Giselle and Ashley. Like, they don't. Yeah. That's probably true. But I just don't see. I just feel like he was so excited to have her out of the house. It's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. It makes me sad. So then we see Candace and her mom look into adopting a dog at the Arlington Animal Rescue. And they talk about the fight. And, you know, Dorothy's got lots of opinions. And um, Dorothy, who has smacked her daughter with a purse. Yeah, she's a real piece of work telling her, like, oh, yeah, press charges. Press it's like, charges. what about? Um, but I think at this point, Candace is just shocked that Monique hasn't reached out. And honestly, I'm shocked, too. I can't even if Monique wasn't sorry, like she should have reached out. Like, seeing that she had to be physically separated and that she had to be tackled, basically, by production. Like, wouldn't you? I don't know. And if I that, was Monique's friend, yeah. I would say, hey, maybe you just want to send her a text. I think, though, that I'm glad that she's not doing things that she doesn't mean. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want her to be. I want her to be genuine. And if she really isn't ready to talk to Candace, I don't want her to push it because I don't think it would go very well if she's not actually ready to talk to her. I guess I feel like there's a difference between talking to her and sending a text being like, I'm not ready to talk this through yet. I'm still trying to process what happened, but I'm sorry. And I want to, I want you to know that you did not deserve that. Yeah. And especially now that we have seen that she has kind of realized that she shouldn't have done that. But it would be good I wonder if she hardens up again. Because, like, we'll yeah. see next week, you know. And how many, how long is supposed to transpire before getting that apology before you do press charges? I know. I mean, okay, so two weeks ago when she's at Karen's house, she says a couple of things that I feel like, were signs that she was going to get there. She's like, I just got to let my ego and my pride, you know, get pushed to the side before I can really like work on myself. And I think that shows that she knows that she's being really 
prideful right now. And she's like not letting herself like look bad. And so I think she, she is aware that she might just need more time. But with that being said, she she still shouldn't have hurt. She should not have hurt Candace. That's what it comes down to is like, she physically hurt her and she, and I keep saying this, but like, if Candace and Monique were in a relationship, like together, mm-hmm. they were dating, this would have been considered intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. So because they are not in a relationship and they are just in the same friend group, we're all like, oh, she dragged her. She was asking for it. Like, would you say that between two people that were in a relationship together or if Monique was, was a man hitting a woman? And Mm -hmm. dragging her by her hair and pulling it down. I just, Mm -hmm. I have kind of a no tolerance for violence. I don't think it means that Monique should be off the show. I don't think it means that Mm -hmm. Monique speaks for all black people. But I have like a pretty hard line when it comes to like physical stuff. And I think that some of the other women have that too. And Mm -hmm. that's what's coming out is like they have this hard line. And Monique doesn't clearly. And I think that is the thing that is just the difference is that Monique doesn't have that line. And for a lot of people, even if they don't want to get physically hurt, they don't have that line either where it's like they can have two friends that get into like an actual fight and they're not going to stop being friends with someone just because they did that. Like, it's like not a, not a done deal. I, and I think, yeah, Monique doesn't, she just doesn't, I don't think she agrees that getting into a physical fight is like the worst thing. I think she thinks that you can say things that are unforgivable more so than do things that are unforgivable. It's just different mindset for me. It's a different mindset. And I really think it's just, I don't think it's all about how you were raised, but if you were raised in, in, in a way that says like you are allowed to physically stop someone who's bothering you that's just what she thinks. Yeah. That's, that's what she thinks. I do like like Monique as a housewife, though. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to see her being alienated from the other women. And I don't want to just see her and her husband and the bird. Like, <laughs> I, I want to see her engage, you know? And I know. So it's going to be hard moving forward if she's not going to, if she's not invited on the cat's trip, it if she hard. doesn't have any friendships anymore besides with Ashley. That'll be tough. It is hard. But I mean, and and I mean, I was happy to hear her say, I understand if you guys, if you're doing a group thing, like don't even include me. Like yeah. I understand. I don't want to put you guys in the situation where you have to choose between me or Candace coming to events. And I think that shows that she at least understands that she was like, she was wrong. It was a wrong situation. And it's not as simple as like, well, who do you want to come this time? Like yeah. she's kind of like paying yeah. the price a little bit. You're right. She is. She is slowly getting there. Yeah. I just expected her to get there quicker, but not yeah, and I think that way. And I think every, everyone else, besides, I mean, Karen and Ashley, but I, I think Robin, Giselle, Wendy, and Candace expected Monique to like come crawling back, begging for forgiveness immediately. And when she didn't, they, just like put their walls up and they didn't really want to hear much of what she had to say. And then it made her harden up. But I feel like after Giselle, and I know we keep going back and forth, but two weeks ago, 
Giselle left. I really felt like Monique was listening to Wendy and Robin. I really felt like she was. Yeah. Because when they were explaining the order of events, she said, yeah, you're right. And like, she was like nodding her head, agreeing with them. And when Wendy said, even if she pushed pulled your vest or even whatever happened, she said, you touched her hair first. That was the first sign of contact. And Monique's like, you're right. You're right. Like she's, she was listening to them and, and listening to their version of events that was different than what she originally said happened. So I don't think that she's like a lost cause. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone's a lost cause. You know what I mean? But I just, I wanted it to, I don't know. I just wanted, I like Monique and I wanted to see her apologize and, and not have this be like the defining moment of her housewife's career because I think she's so much more than that and at least make it right because I feel like what she's doing a good job of is trying to figure things out for herself but what she's not doing a good job of is realizing that like Candace was on the other end of it this wasn't just like her pulling a Jeff on New Orleans like running through the streets and acting like uh, you know like ruining everyone's party like she like hiding in a highway (laughs) Right. She like actually did something to Candace. There was another person on the other side. She didn't just like get really drunk and angry and start like smashing stuff and, and acting like a fool at a party. She, there was like one clear victim here. So I do, I do get that. I just feel like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm willing to move past it, but it's, but it's so hard because I do understand why other people are not quite there, you know, like, yeah. I, I, I get it. And then the last thing I just wanted to say about this was that seeing Karen at her church that she was raised in um, with Giselle and Ashley that she had not been to since burying her father was so moving and seeing her breaking down and crying to her cousin about how much she misses her parents like that just I, I related a lot. Yeah. And, you know, and she's like, oh, excuse me, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. I just need a minute. And then you hear her crying behind the door, sobbing. And anytime someone says like, all right, excuse me for a minute. And then they excuse themselves. And then they, you hear them breaking down. I mean, that happened when she was talking to Ray too, when she was like in her, in her bedroom or something. And it's like, it just really shows that you have no idea sometimes what's going on in people's heart and in their head. And yeah, that was that was like a lot to see. And I'm glad she's willing to to still talk about how losing her parents is upsetting to her, because I think sometimes these storylines that quote unquote storylines kind of like you put a bow on it and then the next season you don't bring it up again. But it's like it's still clearly affecting her. Oh, my God. I I don't know how it could not. Right. And it's not like it's not her storyline. I know they made it kind of like that with the whole Instagram live thing. Is she really grieving or is she just, you know, in her hotel room going on Instagram live that happened last season? But that pissed me off so much. So much. Giselle did that. I was like, everyone grieves differently. And sometimes it's easier to form a relationship with strangers online like for what she's doing with this Instagram live and having them give her positive feedback than it is to be in the lion's den with Giselle watching her every move and deciding whether or not it's true grief. Giselle has both of her parents alive. She has not lost a parent. She does not know what that is like. No. 
and, it, has, and it's so true because sometimes for me, it's easier for me to talk to random people on Instagram about Bravo things than even sit in the same room or on the same patio because it's COVID as my best friends, even when they're not doing anything wrong, because that's just sometimes it is. It's like sometimes you don't want to be dealing with what you're dealing with. You just yeah. want to be talking about other things with people who don't know everything about you. Yeah. So I am still not sure how much I'm going to be covering the OC on this show. I know a lot of podcasters aren't really going to be covering it. I think I'm going to take it week by week. If my guest happens to have watched it, we'll talk about it a bit. If they haven't, we won't. Um, you know, there's only 12 episodes this season. It's not oh. a very big season. So, wow. Yeah, that's did they what I've heard. To, okay, did they have to stop because of COVID? I think they stopped for production for a period of time. And okay. then they, like, finished it up. But um, I think it could have been very different, obviously, had COVID not happened, like, right in the middle. Right. I mean, I think we're probably on the same page about it. Like, I, I don't want to, on Wednesday nights, have it on at 9 o'clock, on Instagram, on Twitter, like, live tweeting or commenting on people's posts about the episode because I, I just don't, I mean, I just don't want to. And I also am not like a huge OC fan anyway. It wasn't my favorite franchise. So I don't really have an issue with it with like not watching it. I do want to see the stories play out. And I think that I have, I am, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. I just don't know that I'm going to be like talking about it as much as I'm going to talk about like Salt Lake City. So I feel like we're on the same page about that. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I really liked about this episode was I love seeing the beach and all of their <laughs> B-roll. Um, and I really liked in the beginning, they had the voiceover from Gina Kehoe because it reminded, it's just like um, in Desperate Housewives where it's narrated <gasps> yes. by the woman who ended up committing suicide. That is so interesting. And Potomac did a couple of like voiceover narration type things mm -hmm. this season, which I kind of enjoyed like a little bit of that. But yeah, that did remind that does remind me of Desperate Housewives where it's like someone who's not actually on the show anymore. And so, yeah, I'm wondering, like, would Gina come back? I know that was weird. That was a little bit weird. And I loved all the flashbacks of it. Yeah, that was really interesting. They kind of like showed, okay, this is season 15. And these are all these housewives that have been here from the beginning and showing, mm -hmm. you know, Tamara throwing a wine glass. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just um, interesting. But it seems like almost everyone got a new house. Most are renting. <laughs> in the um, same in neighborhood. The same neighborhood in Newport Beach. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Which is where like the OC... The show The OC is like Newport Beach. So that's oh, like okay. for some context. All right. So Shannon and Gina are both doing their own versions of the Brady Bunch, where they've got boyfriends that happen to have three kids, and they happen to have three kids. Now, Gina and her boyfriend have younger kids, and they're living in this small townhouse, and they only have two extra bedrooms. So one is a room for the boys, and one is a room for the girls. And it's just like bunk bed after bunk bed. It was overwhelming. Yes. It was overwhelming. <laughs> it was a lot. But like, I was really thrown off by Bronwyn being like, 
I heard that Gina's living in like a tiny house. And I'm like for Bronwyn to like, kind of be criticizing someone's small house, like to had me taken aback a little bit because I'm like, that's just what the rest of us are all dealing with. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Most people don't have 8,000 square feet to spare. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it is a lot to have like three boys in a room and three girls in a room. Well, it's like, also it's a, a lot. lot to move in with someone after a divorce and that your kids were potentially witness to domestic violence. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it is a little bit alarming. I'm so happy for Shannon. I mean, I don't even like her that much, but a little bit more thoughtful and intentional in her relationship. Gina Mm -hmm. seems like she's just diving in. She's not the smartest one. No, um, she's, she's smartest just not smart one. in her decision making. No, um, both in her hair choices and <laughs> how fast she moves in relationships, and oh, um, whether or not she decides to put her hair up while having extensions. Oh, like, gosh, that picture I saw online. I was like, oh god, it looks so bad. Um, but Shannon is with this guy John, and his kids are a little older, and they have not mm-hmm. moved in together. Mm-mm. But it seems like the kids get along. And he seems pretty mild-mannered, and she seems to be laughing a lot more. Smiling, like, the entire episode. I was like, wow, it's nice to see her happy. I don't even, like, I don't even have really any feelings about, like, her either way. She's a little much sometimes, but I am happy for her. She deserves it. I David Bedore, oh. Did you see ugh. that David got married and yeah. posted it the day <laughs> after the premiere of the show? Like, of course, because there's like trending stuff about Orange County. So, of course, you're going to like hop on that and just try to get people to care about you. It's like you're not on our show. Like, just leave us alone. (laughs) And you've got Kelly and Rick. And I'm just wondering what hoops Rick had to jump through, if any, because he is a Fox News um, journalist. Like he he's the one that like goes to um, like if there's an explosion or a war mm-hmm. or something he or a hurricane like he goes to the places where it's happening that he's able to be on camera for this. I don't know really what that's about. The only thing I can think of is they're like use this opportunity to draw in more Fox draw News in viewers. more Fox News viewers <laughs> and maybe just throw in some misinformation while you're on there and you know spread the word cuz I don't know much about him I don't watch Fox News but I do know that a lot has come out recently where like most of their shows are not considered news they're considered um commentary yeah and uh, and I don't think that's unique to just their um, network, but like someone tried to sue the network because one of their shows was spreading misinformation about COVID and their lawyers were like, you shouldn't believe anything we say because it's not actually (laughs) news. It's just our opinion. And I'm like, but you call yourself Fox news. What? (laughs) Uh, No, he's (laughs) like an actual journalist though. Okay. So he's a little different. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying he doesn't spread misinformation. It's just like, he's the one who's like live from Mm. Jerusalem or wherever. There's like some story happening. Right. He's like more of an on the ground reporter. He's not someone who sits in the studio. And just like, yeah, no, he's like reporting from like physical locations. Yeah. Um, We obviously know they have sex all the time, which must be so uncomfortable for his daughters to hear. Um, yeah, gross. <laughs> and for Jolie to hear, Jolie's not that whatever. I mean, um, she has dealt with enough, I think. 
Did I don't you even see? want to hear it. So apparently Kelly Dodd had on her Instagram stories how Michael, her ex-husband, has not seen their daughter Jolie in five months. I heard her say that in front of her, right? Wasn't it yes. like... Like how long has it been since you've seen your dad? Which is so awkward. She should awkward. not do that to her daughter. And then basically saying that Rick is her dad, which is wildly offensive because Rick is not her father and there's a huge difference between being a father and a stepfather it's just the only person who can decide if Rick is her father is Jolie she's the only one who can make that decision and you know having people in my family have you know like a biological father and then also someone who's like a pseudo like stepdad even if they're not married like it's only the kid's job to decide who they say is their father like it should be 100% up to the kids not up to Kelly which is one of many reasons she's crazy, but it's just really messed up to do that to your kid. We meet Elizabeth Vargas, who I'm not impressed with. She was married to a billionaire and lost herself and trying to find herself again and has a new boyfriend who won't have sex with her until her divorce is final. Oh, that whole thing. Okay. I'm not impressed with her either. Well, first of all, I am biased because I saw her go on Instagram live and basically like tell everyone who's criticizing Kelly for her anti-mask rhetoric. Like, and she's like, well, Kelly has her own opinion and she's entitled to her own opinion. And I'm so sick of people saying that this is an opinion and it's (laughs) science. So immediately I'm like, okay, I already don't like you. I have no interest and I'm not like, I'm not impressed is basically how I feel. But then when I saw, I was like, okay, well, I didn't realize she had been married to a billionaire. That's kind of interesting to now like be out on her own and be like this. I don't want to be a trophy wife kind of person anymore. But still live off her ex-husband's money. (laughs) Right. That's true. So it's like, you're not doing this on your own. (laughs) And like whatever little company she had, some sort of like music video streaming service, like that's not paying the bills. I'm sorry. I have never heard of it. And but then I thought it was interesting that she basically admitted like I can't sell it till after I'm divorced because he'll get half. And it's like, so you're just like, like admitting on TV, like I'm cheating him out of half of what he's entitled to. But like, what would he get half for? Aren't you getting all of his money? I don't understand. Uh, It can't be worth that much. I've never, no, never heard of it. She just seems like very typical OC. Yeah. And like, I wasn't surprised to hear that she like came from humble beginnings. And it's like, I just uh, like she was wearing that tacky fake Chanel shirt. I'm like, come on. Like you were married to a billionaire. At least buy the real thing. What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, gosh. Um, Then we see Bronwyn's new home which is like 8,000 square feet. It has a like disco nightclub in it. I, I don't know. It, I mean, good for them if she's happy. I'm not sure why they moved. She said they were exploding at the seams. Okay. I don't know. I just, I was happy to see that the, um, the nightclub had that. It says like cheers to bad decisions or something. So now her tagline makes more sense, especially now that we know that she's like, cleaning up her act so she's like and now making better ones like that in her tagline makes sense to me now yeah and then she hosts shannon and kelly to make up and this is see kelly is charming in her own way i mean there's Mm -hmm. a reason why we liked her for so many years Mm -hmm. on the show people liked her when she brings shannon a gift and it is a card it's the game uno 
where she's uno amiga because there's no more trace amigas that was funny that was funny like it was funny it was funny i used to be a kelly fan and you know what I'm not, I'm not, this is not at all to say that she's a better person for it, but I'm glad to know who she really is because there are some people who keep their horrible, disgusting, bigoted opinions to themselves. And they are like those stealth, horrible people. And you could be best friends with them and support them and support their companies and buy their products and post them, you know, and support them in so many ways. And you have no idea who they really are on the inside. And at least with her, it's like, well, now we know. So now we know not to support her. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying she's right in any way. She's absolutely wrong. But I would rather know that about her than to have her, like, be saying all of these things at parties, but then no one ever find out, like, that she's a monster. But at the same time, like, there's a lot of monsters that we've supported over the years and that we continue to support on these shows. I know. So why is she di- – like, I'm just trying to understand why is she striking such a nerve when Vicky now people have sort of like, oh, we miss Vicky, we miss Tamara, and I'm like, you think they're not the same as Kelly? I'm not. I am not falling for this line that T- Tamara and Vicky are trying to pull, where they're like, put us back on the show and we'll get Kelly out. It's like, yeah, Kelly's horrible, and we all agree. It's like you just don't like Kelly for other reasons. It's not yeah. because she's a racist, and it's not because she's a horrible person. Like, stop acting like you're wh- one of us. Like, you know what I mean? And I just don't agree. I don't agree with them trying to, like, use this as a way to get back in the good graces of the viewers. It's And people not still fair. love watching Ramona. I mean, there's just a lot of people on these shows. Teresa. I mean, all of the opinions of most of the cast of Jersey. Yeah, they're like, all up that same alley. I think there's, like, a weird line that no one knows where it is. And then some people are just like, nope, had had enough. Like, and Kelly that, is crossed. And that Kelly line. is crossed the line, and it's hard to like say exactly where it is. But I think they're like, nope, I just had enough. I think Emily's a bit smarter about how and what she shares, but I do not believe Emily has any different views than Kelly. Exactly, based on who she follows on Instagram, based on the kind of comments that she's made about politics and other things, like. I don't know. Kelly might be louder about it. Kelly mm-hmm. might be doing things that are like shocking, like wearing, you know, with the hat and like being photographed in the drunk wives matter hat and then going on Instagram and defending the hat. Like all of that is like more in our face. And there is something to be said about like being so vocal and like spreading the information to people. Whereas like Emily might not be, putting like shoving it down people's throat but she still is supporting people who have those views yeah well the only sort of storyline that i'm interested in this entire season is bronwyn and we kind of hear throughout the whole episode that bronwyn's she drinks a lot. We saw that last season. We saw her being approached about it. Mm-hmm. And she's finally decided to admit that she has a problem with drinking and she's an alcoholic. And that is fascinating to see someone go through this on camera because, and there's this article in Glamour where she talks about her sobriety and also Leah does and Lala. And she was saying, Bronwyn was saying that saying it on camera 
is a way of her holding herself accountable because the cameras are going to be following her the whole season. And if she messes up, they'll catch her, you know, and, and, um, I don't know. It's a lot. It's, she said it, you know, when she was talking to Emily, it's hard for her to imagine herself never having to drink again. And so I think we're just going to see her try to come to terms with her issues with alcohol, but it all makes sense now why she had so many children because she wasn't drinking when she was pregnant or breastfeeding. And it was her way of telling herself that she could stop. Yeah. It's really interesting because, and she even says that because she stopped drinking when she was pregnant and breastfeeding, she used that as an explanation that she was okay. She's like, I'm fine. I can stop when I'm pregnant. And it's not, I'm not trying to say smoking is anywhere similar to being an alcoholic, but I know that I know plenty of people who give up smoking cigarettes when they're pregnant and, and then they just go right back to it once they're able to smoke again. And it's like, you're never actually not addicted. You're just like able to overcome it for the sake of your child. I just feel like she's being really brave to put it out there. Totally. And I think it's, it's a lot of pressure to be doing it publicly when she's so newly sober, but I can see how it is helping her because she says that there's like a point in time in the season where she like wanted to give up, but she was like, wait, but now they're going to see me drinking. Like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that on camera. So it maybe helped her get through it. I have a friend who, um, had some, he like went public with being sober and, but he was not newly sober when he did that. And it did help him to have so many people reaching out. Like, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being like a rock for me. And he says that like, he's like, I can never in my life ever go back on this because if I'm ever photographed drinking or doing anything, like it will be such a disappointment to other people. And it's like, maybe that can help save his life. Like maybe that can help save her life. Yeah. Although I think a lot of what I've learned, at least about addiction, is that relapse is also sometimes part of recovery right? and sometimes to be expected. You know, a lot of people go through things multiple times before coming out the other end, and it's not as clean of a process as I think we're led to believe, like publicly. You know, someone's like, I got sober and I never picked up another drink again or I never used drugs again. And most it's, cases, it's not that like clean of a break. It's more like James, like James said so many times, like, yeah. I'm going to be better. I'm not drinking right now. He, he said so many times, I'm not drinking right now. I'm not drinking right now. And then he's drinking again. And then, and then he's, you know, maybe doing other things again. And his, his journey has been a lot more of like what we would expect. Although I think once he actually started going to AA is when he really did get serious, but you know, it's like, it is a journey. It's like never over, you know, you always need that support and you can't, you can't stop putting the work in. It just must be so hard so that she came to this realization that she's an alcoholic probably weeks or months before COVID. And then you're yeah. in isolation. You can't go to in-person meetings. I mean, the stress that all of us have been under and the collective grief we felt as a community um, I can't imagine being sober and not having, like, I mean, 
all of us have had to try and figure out what our coping mechanisms are and new coping mechanisms. Right. Mine is food and I have an issue with eating my feelings (laughs) and it's like, it's like a real thing. And, you know, that's not going to ruin my life. So I can't imagine trying to deal with like with that. And I mean, experts have said that it's like increased addiction issues yeah. and um, domestic violence. And it's just really sad and it's really scary. But hopefully she has you know, a support system at home. It was interesting because she kept saying like, Oh, I'm not drinking right now. And everyone seemed surprised. I wonder how many people thought she was pregnant. Like, did she have her tubes tied or anything? Do you know? I don't know if she talked about it, but I would have just assumed she was pregnant again. She has like seven kids. So it's like, there's an, there's another one. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know how much I'm going to really be talking about the OC, but we'll take it as it comes. It's, you know, everyone has to draw the line that makes sense for them. Monty, yeah. um, from Mixing with Monty, who was on Bitch Sesh this week, has been saying that for her own health and, like, well-being, she's not watching because she doesn't want to relive 2020 while she's still in 2020. And I totally get that. want to relive it through those eyes. I totally get that. So, I Yeah. I've gone back and forth. Like I, I didn't want to post anything where I was like, I'm boycotting the OC because I didn't know yet if I was going to be boycotting, but I am committed to saying that I'm not going to participate in the like collective watching at the same time kind of a thing. Cause I think not even just about the ratings, but just like, a, Oh, well, if I, if somebody wants to talk about it, I'll talk about it. Like I'll, I'll maybe yeah. I'll catch it. Maybe I won't finish it. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'd rather watch Southern Charm New Orleans every Wednesday at night. I know. There's <laughs> so much good TV on, though. Like, we've got Potomac. Salt Lake is coming. Below Deck is coming back with Captain Lee. Like, you know, all yeah, those things are worth watching. Yeah, there's a lot more. I mean, the I don't know if you watch The Bachelorette, but The Bachelorette I is on. I do watch The Bachelorette. I'm, I watched, so I watched it the first episode, but I missed the last half hour and I planned on rewatching it at some point this week, but there's been so much going on. So I will rewatch the first episode and make like a list of my faves and I'll probably cover that a little bit. Although I don't have a lot of followers and like friends who, who love it. So I don't know. We'll see. I used to love it. And now it's more of a, cause I used to watch it every, it used to be on Monday nights and I used to mm-hmm. watch it with a group of girls every Monday night and we would rotate whose house we were at. Oh, and fun. it was a fun, we called it like girls night Monday and it, you know, doing it alone isn't as fun. Paying too much attention isn't as fun. It's more like funny to hear people's like laughter and quips at the different characters. But also when I hear about how the contestants have been treated, it also like makes me feel so awful about watching, knowing how they've been manipulated and just treated so poorly. Um, Yeah. After I saw the show Unreal, it really mm -hmm. ruined everything for me. I know that that's not exactly accurate but it does make you think twice about these dating reality shows especially ones where they're like trapped in a house together i don't know (laughs) i don't know so any final thoughts about anything bravo or pop culture i know you cover like more than just bravo 
I just have to say that I have kicked Giselle out of my top five housewives and I'm looking for a replacement. I have two contenders. Kenya, Kenya Moore and Dorit are my top um, like Dorit. contenders. I'm a fan of Dorit. So I have to decide who's in my top five. And for me, my top five are people I enjoy watching on TV, not necessarily like my favorite people. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if it's going to be Kenya. I don't know if it's going to be Dorit. But if anybody wants to send me your suggestions of who should replace Giselle, I'm open. I'm open. But not Phaedra. People keep telling me Phaedra. I'm like, not a, I'm not a no. Phaedra fan. Um, I, I mean, I think Phaedra is hilarious in her own way. But I like Dorit and PK together. Like Dorit with PK mm-hmm. in those duo confessionals oh, this, this I- season. I do like the duo confessionals. That's so true. We don't really see that a lot. There's something about them together that (laughs) is like, you know, they're just such con artists. They're so (laughs) in the hat, but like, (laughs) you know, like her decorating a buco de Beppo. I mean, it's just what we needed. You know, speaking Italian. Oh, just so good. We needed that. Finding out that she had this Italian lover for all those years before she met PK. Oh, it makes it just every time I learn something new about her, I get I just get blown away. Who are your top five minus Giselle? Karen Huger. Yes. Sonia Morgan. Me too. Teresa Giudice. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and and Portia. I love yeah. Portia so much. I would say so three it, out of those four. If I had Kenya, people would be like, how can you have Kenya and Portia? I just love them both. I yeah. love them so much. Yeah, they're good for the show, for sure. They're good for the show. It was really hard to watch them fight. That was hard because I like, you know, I want to support both of them. But. I like Stephanie Holman on Dallas. I know yeah, everyone I likes her, Dallas. but when she laughs at herself, it's just, I like it. I don't know anything about her, but some people share her like TikTok videos. and Oh, I thought that was Cameron that does TikTok. I think Stephanie does, does too. too. She did. She did one where it was like she had gotten a haircut. I don't know. It was like a cute. It was like a cute little thing. But I was like, I don't know anything about her because I don't. I don't watch. Oh, Dallas, Cameron's but. a good one, actually. Cameron is a good housewife. The one with the pink dog food. She is like quality housewife. I just don't know if I have any room for in my heart for another series. I mean, I'm obviously Salt Lake City. I'm doing, but yeah, I've already know. watched Dallas, so it's like, eh, yeah, you yeah. know, but. Well, thank you so much for being on. Tell everyone where they can find your podcast. It's all happening. Thank you for having me. So my podcast is called It's All Happening with Amanda. I'm on Apple. I'm on Spotify. I'm on like a lot of other podcast places. Basically, anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find me on Instagram at It's All Happening X. And I'm new to Twitter, but I have not really tweeted very much but you can find me at happening underscore pod as in podcast nice well thank you you so much for being on we have to do this again with our dueling mandy mandy and amanda (laughs) yes i want to have you on so i'm gonna get my calendar i'll send you some some dates i'll send you some dates i can have you on and thank you for being an ivf warrior with me oh thank you i'm not doing the ivf part yet but the 
Well, yeah, and I'm not even there yet either, but it's coming. Hopefully it's all happening. An infertility warrior. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. And I hope I wish you well in the rest of your recovery, although it sounds like you're doing great. So that's good. Yes, yes. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Whether you're having a not-moving-off-the-couch-while-you-watch-the-game kind of day or a no-time-between-conference-calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'.